George Smallstick, welcome to Small Talk. Appreciate you joining uh, Justin and I tonight. Uh, as advertised tonight, we're going to talk about voting, faith-based voting in particular. And uh, what really got this going for me was last week, a, a dear friend of mine posted on her Facebook page an article written by John Piper. And it was all about his decision to not vote for Trump or Biden, vote for neither one of them based on his religious uh, viewpoint, his, his convictions, which, uh, that, Hey, that's cool. And, uh, but, uh, and then I, you know, I heard about it on Sunday again, and then, uh, I listened to Matt Walsh. I listened to his podcast, really like his podcast. He's one of those daily wire, uh, uh, podcasters, mm -hmm. personalities. Justin, I decided today, maybe that'd be a great lifetime goal for me is that actually like work in the mail room at uh, the daily wire in, hey. in Nashville, Tennessee. There you go. Well, nowadays, I don't cool. even think you need to do that. I think it's all, you know, virtual and, and distance. So, yeah, if you, you could be in the virtual mailroom. There you go. So so uh, he, he had a podcast last week about why Christians I, I'm going to butcher it, but I, I think he basically why Christians should not vote for Biden. I mean, yeah. if you if you've ever listened to Matt Walsh, you would say, yeah, that's probably what he would have called it, because that that dude is just. He straight up, he's not worried about cancel culture. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, so uh, I just feel like I've been inundated with uh, all of these messages about how Christianity in particular, because let's face it, we still live in a Christian nation. And if, I've said it on this podcast right. many times. If you don't believe that, just go look at your calendar. All right. right. We still are predominantly a Christian society. And so I keep getting bombarded in my feed and whatnot and in my world by... Go Knowles. Yeah. Oh gosh. No, the, the, we can't. The, the, we can't get off the rails. Hey, how about those Buckeyes? By the way, how about those? How Buckeyes? about them? real? Real football started last week, but but uh, but but I digress. I keep getting inundated with all these uh, stories and sermons and whatnot about Christianity and how we vote and the um, the intersection of those two things. So I thought it'd be great to talk about this tonight. And Justin's with me. Uh, I think I said on my little short video on Tuesday night when I was telling everyone that we would be here Thursday, that Teresa would be joining us and um, maybe she can join in some, some comments, but she's with family tonight. So um, good, good for her. And uh, yes, Glenn go bucks for sure. For sure. So um, before we get started, uh, let me just give a shout out to uh, primal body athletics. Uh, check them out on Facebook, check out the website and uh, and Justin, um, you know, I was thinking that you have a business, right? Right. Well, you know, what a terrible friend uh, that I am, even though I think we've only been in each other's presence maybe like three or four times, which, right. by the way, has grown exponentially since we've done this podcast. I think it we've is. only been in each other's presence once when we started doing this, but I think we're up to like four times now. Yeah. Uh, one of these days we might actually even share a meal. But you... Yeah. You have a business as well. And I'm thinking, what a terrible friend that we've never plugged your business, man. Tell, tell us about your business. So um, most people know that I am a full-time pastor, but you know, um, you can, of course, live on a pastor's salary, but I, there are many things that I aspire to that I would 
you know, that uh, a pastor's salary won't in itself provide. Um, I'm very grateful for it, but it does not in itself provide it. And so what I am is a, a partner in a manatee tour business. So it is, oh, thank you. Um, uh, it, 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 hey, listen, I, I, I have to say this real quick. I thought, oh my gosh, Teresa's not going to be on there. This is way too much airtime for George and I. Yeah, I don't even know what we're going to do with all this, you know. That, that's that's right. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not seeing the video, uh, well, first of all, you're missing out because we, yeah. do this, we do this live. And by the way, I really appreciate folks like Justin and Teresa and others that come on here and do this live because that scares the bejesus out of people, okay? Yeah. This is totally live. And really the reason why we do this is because I'm lazy. I'm not going to... <laughs> Shoot a video, then edit it all around. We're not going to do that, right? So anyway, so you're not seeing this. Uh, Laura uh, Van Fleet just posted uh, hashtag bromance in the future. Well, she's totally wrong, by the way. There's nothing future about this bro. <laughs> this is the present. Hey. Present. All right. So go ahead, John. Sorry. So, anyways, I what I um I'm a partner in uh, Captain Mike Swimming with the Manatees, and it's a manatee swim tour company. And, um, we're, I can't divulge all information yet. Um, it, it's not all solidified, but we're about to expand. Um, it's going to be huge, you know, in the, in the words of Donald Trump, it's going to be huge. huge. So huge, huge. huge. Yeah. So anyways, um, and it's a lot of fun. If you guys are out there and you, you want to, um, you would like to swim with the manatees sometime, hit us up. Captain Mike swimming with the manatees. You can get us at swimming with the Awesome. Awesome. Now, also in the words of Trump, uh, are you tired of winning? Because yeah. I mean, if you're expanding under COVID, you must be winning. Are you tired of winning, Justin? Well, you know, in full disclosure, we're not expanding because revenue went up. I'll, I'll be uh, truthful with you. You know, COVID has impacted us. That's for sure. Um, international travel shutdown really impacts the Manatee tour business. But we are expanding because we see potential prospects and we see it's it's the time to move. And if you have the capability to move on something and you certainly have the capital, it's the time to do it. So um, we're taking advantage of of the time and, and moving because we know it's coming back. The people are going to swim with the manatees. I mean, that's just the way it is. So they don't they don't care. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I run a, a small nonprofit and uh, y'all hooked us up. What, in March, in March, yeah. uh, right before, uh, right before the pandemic. Yeah. When and, it was about 90 degrees L. Yeah. Took some kit, which, which <laughs> if you're not familiar with manatee viewing, uh, just saying that because that's not the best manatee yeah. season, but right. we took, we took some of our kids out from our mentoring program and, uh, some kids from North Carolina. We just, we still had a great time. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, I still yet have not actually swam with manatees yet. And I've been in Florida now. Well, we're 20, gonna fix that. 22, 20, 23 years I've been here now. Actually, been here longer than uh, what I was in Ohio. So, at any rate, all right. So, what was that website one more time, Justin? Swimmingwiththemanatees.com. Man, how did you score a domain like that? Oh my gosh. Yep. Man. Well, I'll tell you what. If you ever decide to give up that business, you can just sell that domain name yeah. and get retire. I think. Actually. I happen to know the domain name's worth about forty grand in itself. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, bet. So. I bet. I have uh, 
georgesmallstick.com. Now, I cannot, <laughs> cannot disclose how much that's worth, okay? But we're talking primo money, all right? So hey, it, I'm a very it will be. I'm a very easy guy to get a hold of. If you ever need to email me, get a hold of me, George at georgesmallstick.com, georgesmallstick at yahoo.com, georgesmallstick at hotmail.com, georgesmallstick at gmail.com. I have totally cornered the George Smallstick market. So if you ever need to get a hold of me, I'm there not. You go. Just letting you know. I bet you can't say that about the Justin Strickland market. I'll no, I don't think I own anything, Justin Strickland. I think I got an LLC with that name in it, and that's about yeah. it. <laughs> It, it probably just uh, speaks more to your character, actually, that uh, you're not so aggrandizing. <laughs> so, all right. So, first of all, as we get into this topic, like a couple of things that are a little bit difficult right offhand. Uh, number one, I've got so many things here that I have, uh, I mean, articles that I've read and thoughts that I've jotted down mm-hmm. to keep this coherent and uh, concise. It could be a little bit of a challenge. That's that's for sure. And the other thing is I don't want to come across as telling someone how to vote or um, because I just think that's kind of a losing proposition anyway. I want everyone to make up their own mind on how they um, how they vote. Um, you know, I keep hearing that this is the most consequential election of our lifetimes, and that may actually be true. I, I think you can make a really good case for that. I also yep. keep hearing that voting is the most important thing that you can do in 2020. Now, that I'm going to say is probably not true. In fact, if voting in this election is the most important thing that you'll do in 2020, then I'd say, well, maybe it's time to kind of reevaluate some some priorities. You know, uh, you know, you have to decide for yourself what is the most important thing for you to do in 2020. Some people are going to say the most important thing for me to do is to stay healthy or to uh, to keep my business afloat, to, to, to stay stay employed. But no matter what you say is the most important thing for you to do in 2020, it probably has something to do with the thriving of your family, your friends, your your loved ones. And whatever the answer is to that probably strikes at what you value the most. And I think that your values are inextricably tied to how you vote. Right. So there's a reason why they would be. What's that? I said, I I would hope they would be. I would hope so, too. And and, and listen, there's a reason why people say, hey, in polite conversation, don't talk about politics and and religion. What I know after teaching cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral interventions for many, many years and working in the juvenile justice and criminal justice field for over 23 years, trying to help people change the way they think at the at the bedrock of cognition of of thinking is your attitudes and beliefs it's your the rules principles values opinions habits of thinking that you bring into uh, uh, every situation that you encounter and your faith and your politics are bedrock they right. are very they are they are at the bottom of your cognitive structure. So everything that you see in your daily life, whether you realize it or not, you're filtering it through your values and beliefs. And chiefly among those very well may be your faith and your politics and maybe the intersection of both of those things. And it's not my job or you know, anyone else's necessarily to tell you what those values ought to be. I do believe that it is my job 
to instill or install my values into my children. Correct. Now, I think there's probably a lot of woke folk out there that really would say, no, 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 don't do that, George. You'll corrupt them. Just just let let them figure it out on their own. Nonsense. Right. Cool. I am absolutely not going to allow this this crazy, insane world to take over the job of instilling attitudes and beliefs, bedrock principles into my children. That's right. my job. My children would tell you that they're Republican. They would hey, tell you. I got to tell you this. <laughs> they, they would tell you they would tell you that they would vote for Trump if they could, if they were old enough in this election. They would tell you that they they love the Buckeyes of the Ohio State University. And maybe more importantly than anything, they would tell you that they love Jesus. Right. Right. So my children, this is now my wife will probably get upset for me for saying this, but this is a kind of like a standing thing is, is my children know that they will not be included in my will if they're registered Democrat. <laughs> Dude, you, 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 you really, you laid down the gauntlet on that one right there. <laughs> right. So, it's up to so, them. So, so my, my, my point is that our values define what matters most to us. And, um, as people of faith, whether you're 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 Christian, you're you're Muslim, um, you you practice Judaism or any other uh, major world religion or or even um, uh, you know uh, less I don't know how to say uh, maybe a less practiced religion uh, in the world, whatever that religion is, whatever your faith is, I'm like sure a Sikh or Jain. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that billboard on the way to Tampa that says, uh, Sikh, uh, Sikhism. Is Sikh fifth, largest, yeah. Religion yeah, in the world. world religion. Yeah. Uh, I met a guy in California years ago who was Sikh, man. I love that dude. He was awesome. So friends on Facebook. So anyway, uh, but, but your faith is going to inform your decision in the voter booth. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it wouldn't, because yeah. it just it's it permeates so many of your decisions <clears throat> points on uh on on life right well i think so, it's, a, it's a cause and and i think that often most of our decisions are based upon cause you know we we take something we become passionate about it and then we we react based upon the the passion now unfortunately that can be a bad thing or that can be a good thing you know people are passionate about different things but i'd say whenever it's based in something that is morally solid that we all consider to be um, socially, I, I won't say accepted, but we say socially just, um, you know, not always what's accepted is right. Um, Socrates taught us that, that the majority can always beat up on the minority, but um, through a complete democracy. But I would say this, one of the things that alarms me, George, is not so much about people saying, that that you shouldn't mix politics or and religion or you shouldn't talk about one or the other or talk about both in the same sentence whatever the case is that doesn't concern me as much as the way that leaders are held hostage and held in chains uh based upon their po political uh affiliations or political preferences or whatever the case is and and what i mean by that is as a pastor, sometimes the pressure is on you. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, my pastor is uh, sincerely a transparent person and, and myself as, as a pastor, I 
try to be as transparent as possible too. And sometimes the pressure can be on a pastor. And this is what I say to those of those people who are watching who may criticize a pastor or a religious leader, even, even John Piper. I mean, even he, he and, and I have some uh, opinions about him and his piece. Hopefully maybe later you'll open the door for that. But um, I think that there's chains on maybe not, you know, hypothetical chains on pastors and religious leaders in the cultural environment we're in <clears throat> where they cannot necessarily support one or another um, uh, party without receiving extreme backlash. And, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm strong enough and tough enough to, to handle the backlash. It's not so much that it's that <clears throat> if you, if you say, or you, you don't even have to endorse, but if you say that you support a particular party or you support a particular, uh, um, even maybe candidate, I mean, specifically a candidate really, but just blanket, blanketly a party, you could be labeled as a racist. You I mean, let's, it, let's just call it like it is. If you, in this culture right now where we're at, you, if you endorse Trump, that's where you're going to be. Yeah. You, and you can endorse Biden all day long and there will be absolutely no repercussion for it. Right. And, and, and in my opinion, that's a dangerous state in America because that's the silence of the First Amendment, number one. And what people don't understand is the First Amendment is not freedom of speech. It's freedom of political speech. Now, of course, other states have adopted uh, a, a, a uh, sort of some other language on that in their own state constitution that, that expands beyond that. But it's the freedom of political speech. If I can't have freedom of political speech as your pastor, as your spiritual God, then who am I to you? Am I only, am I re relegated to just one certain portion of your life? Well, if, if you are a Christian, you believe that your pastor speaks for God for you. Now, of course, you have a relationship with him, but you believe that God is speaking through your pastor for you. So why is it that God can only speak? Let's bring it down to that way. God can only speak to you on matters of spirituality, but he cannot speak to you on matters that are day-to-day -day, uh, objects such as politics and and maybe what your uh, your uh, uh conversations are or maybe what you what you do for employment or so on and yes that's another good point nonprofits they can't they say something they could have their 501c3 revoked um yeah or if you so, just you have a position of responsibility within a nonprofit and you say something you could get hemmed up really really quickly and yeah. so justin we you that that first amendment still stands in terms of the state right what's happened yeah. is we have now a culture where we we have allowed people to be to be canceled, essentially, yeah. we we allow that to happen, right? And it's going to really take people to stand up and say, "No, I'm not going to allow that to happen." And number one way I would say, and I want to run this by you and see what you think. Number one way I would say is uh, don't allow people to make you, right? Because if people make you, then they'll be able to break you, right? Now, Teresa told me a few weeks ago, she said, this won't surprise you, Justin. She said, George, the thing about you and me is that we don't play ball. Yeah. That's what she said, right? Yep. And, uh, and what, I, what I took from that is 
that, um, you know, I run a nonprofit in Citrus County. We do amazing things and it's just incredible. And um, I devote a lot of time and effort and energy to that. That's not paid. Like I can go down the list of all the reasons why I should be, I should be Citrus County's next um, citizen of the year or something like that. Well, those awards aren't coming folks. Those awards are not going to come. And I'm fine with that because I really, I don't need that. What I'm really afraid of is if I got propped up too much, the same people prop me up and knock me down later. Oh yeah. Well, as soon as they're done with you, listen, I've, I've got, I could list examples. I've done it this week. I could list examples of, uh, of seeing that very thing happen around here. You will fall on the same opinions that you have rose on. You don't need that. Absolutely. So I would rather, cause, cause listen, man, look, my dad was my dad, my dad's full of uh, great wisdom. And, you know, as any guy in the winter of his life would be, you know, he, uh, he says, son, a hundred years from now, won't make a bit of difference. And I figure right now, 43 years old, dude, I don't have 40 years left on this planet. Okay. If I'm just genetics are a powerful thing. I would probably not be here another 40 years. So I can either spend the next 40 years walking on eggshells to make sure no one cancels me, or I can say what I want to say. As long as I'm being respectful and all the rest of it, I'm not going to go out of my way to be destructive and everything else. I just don't want to do that. But if I just genuinely say something of conviction that's not caustic, it's not hurting anyone. It's just right. my opinion. And I've let people know ahead of time, maybe even preface it with, Hey, this is my opinion. You don't have to believe this or think this way or anything else. I'll love you. And then you want to cancel me anyway? Well, guess what? Tuesday night, uh, tonight or Thursday, well, Tuesday night at 8 p.m., I've got a big mouth on the Internet, and I might just go ahead and fight back a little bit. That, that's what I yeah. read. Uh, I've told you all my favorite story in the Bible is Jesus sitting in the corner of the temple, fashioning a whip, making it, knowing he's going to whoop somebody with it. Oh, yeah. I love Jesus. So, you know, I, I look at it this way. What if guys like George Whitfield just said, you know, I can't speak up because I might be canceled? Or guys like Martin Luther, or you know, I mean, these guys. I'd vote for you too, by the way. Um, what if these guys all said the same thing? What if Martin Luther King sat down and said, "Yeah, it's too much to, it's too much to, uh, too much to risk. I, I, I can't do it." Uh, Frederick Douglass, what you know, it's just too much to risk. I can't do it. You know, I look at all these preachers, just these preachers that that within the revolution let's just say preachers that that changed and uh benjamin franklin and uh john adams said this about george whitfield they said he was the single most effective person in starting the revolution in the united states and he was a preacher presbyterian preacher by the way um he was a preacher number one and then you have moses allen Moses Allen was a Methodist. You have James Francis Armstrong, Francis Asbury, you know, all these guys that that we can say that the American Revolution took place because of these guys. Part of what happened was because of them. They were all preachers. They were all religious um, or spiritual leaders. And, got, you know, that that's the thing is we have to understand now. So in part, that's why. I am resistant to criticize John Piper over the action of speaking out. I think that's the place 
of I think pastors, if they see a moral wrong, they have to speak. I disagree with him. I totally disagree with his article. I also believe he's a heretic, heretic, not because of what he said there, but because he promotes Christian hedonism, which if you don't know what Christian hedonism is, you can look it up and you'll see he promotes. He believes that pleasure is the quickest way to developing desire from God. You know, well, that can I think that's just a simple understanding with a simple understanding that can run into uh, you can run into a muck of that. OK, hey, so man, I think that theory has got legs if you really want to gain a big following, though. Well, no joke. But honestly, you know, and and when people say he's got this huge, oh, he's a prominent, uh, prominent evangelical pastor or speaker. In has spoke out against Trump. Number one, he actually did not speak out specifically against Trump. He talked about the political climate. He later, um, uh, the editor uh, wrote on the uh, the piece that he specifically came out and said, "I'm not voting for Trump or Biden." So he wasn't really saying necessarily Trump, although it's pretty clear what his target was. However, um, two things with him: one. I'm totally 100% behind he speaking out when he sees a wrong in the political world. I think that's what, what if you're supposed to be a, a spiritual guide, a moral guide, you should be speaking out. You should be calling a spade a spade. You should be saying um, what's wrong and what what's what needs to be changed. Absolutely. I'm 100% behind that. I think he should be doing that and he should have done that. However, this is also the same guy that said this in 2012 that he chose to endorse Mitt Romney, though in his words, Mitt Romney was of a blasphemous religion because he was Mormon. So he was willing to, in his words, and, and, and based upon his thinking, he was willing to subject blasphemy and, and push aside blasphemy to endorse a guy, but he couldn't push aside what he considered to be vulgarity and, and pompousness and, and, and boastfulness. You know, my Bible says that actually blasphemy is the only unforgivable sin. Um, so in that, those terms, what is he, what is he doing? How, how has 2012 been one set standard in 2020 is another set standard. And I do know that people change a lot in eight years, but so, um, I would argue that the man doesn't have as much influence, or at least he did not have as much influence as people made him out to be. However, after the article, he has made enough uh, press that he probably has a little more influence than he did have. And, and well, in my opinion, that's why he did it. I looked at his Facebook page today, his post uh, where he posted the article, and and he definitely kicked a hornet's nest, that's for sure. Yeah. The overwhelming majority of people responding to him uh, were not happy with what he had to say. Now, to his credit, I'm, I'm with you. I am a more speech, not less speech type guy. Yeah, 100%. I am a conversation culture, not cancel culture type individual. Uh, so I love the fact that he would speak out and share his viewpoint. I, if not, For nothing else, it's just a thought exercise of it. And to give you and I something to talk about on small talk I, in the third. I day. will fight for your right to say something stupid. 100 percent any and, day and something profound and controversial or whatever else yeah. and, and there was at one point where you could count on the aclu to stand up for that right and then mm -hmm. that, that day is gone this this election anyway look at it, is, is about a uh, personality i believe it's about donald trump no one's really excited about voting for biden i, I well i've not met anyone by the way i All think right. today 
Trump had a rally in Tampa. Who knows how many tens of thousands of people were down there. Biden had a, a one of these drive-in events where maybe there might have been 100 cars. Well, I know this. The cities are always worried about the traffic patterns when Trump comes to town, which you never hear that broadcasted <laughs> over the other side. Just saying. For sure. For sure. And, you know, they have to be kind of worried anyway just because the president's on the streets. But I get well, what that you're saying, man. It's just, yeah. it, it is... And we've never seen a, a president also, and if I'm just talking about personality, we've never seen a president who has a rally where people are you know, chanting, we love you. It's, yeah. it's amazing. And we could even talk about, is that even healthy or not? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it is, but anyway, look at my point is this is an election about a person and that person is Donald Trump, all the fervors on his side. And so really for a lot of people of faith, who don't necessarily like a lot of the things that Trump says or the things that he did, I'm going to say prior to coming into office, exclusively right. for me, yeah, prior to sure. coming into office, aside from the things he said, I'm talking about his behavior. Woman yeah, no, no whatever. Uh, it, it's really, it sets up this scenario where it's a choice between the person and policy, right? And so at the end of the day, Spoiler alert, I'm going with policy. That's that's for sure. And then, you know, what's amazing to me, Justin, is they'll, they'll be, you know, for all the people that are going to be like, I don't care about his policies. I don't care that we have the best economy. I don't care if peace is breaking out in the Middle East. I don't care if we we're supposed to have a nuclear holocaust at this point, but everything is peaceful. Uh, you can go down the list, down the line of just. Or third Supreme Court justice. We Good constitutional originist, originalist. All the things that Trump has done, and they'll be like, I don't care about anything he's done. And if that person probably searched far enough in their Facebook feed, they'll probably find a meme somewhere where they posted, right. it's not what a person says, it's what they do, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because when it's about you, that's what it is. Well, yeah, don't worry about what I said, but it's what I do. It's my, listen, in your marriage, you probably have used that argument. Listen, it's not about what I said last night, but you know I love you because you see all of the things I've done for you. I didn't mean what I said. You know, we use that in marriage, you know, right. but yeah. So here, so Piper in his article, and I'll, I'll have to link to this in the comment section here of this uh, tonight's episode. He breaks it into, of course, different headings here, uh, different sections. And the first one is uh, is persons. And uh, he says, forgiveness through Christ is always possible when there is repentance and childlike trust in Jesus. But where humble repentance is absent, the sin condemn, the sins condemn. The New Testament teaches that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God and that those who practice such things deserve to die. To which you may say, so what? Rejecting Jesus as Lord also leads to death. But are you willing to vote for a non-Christian? You're willing to vote for a non-Christian, aren't you? And Piper says... I am. Piper says he is willing to vote for a non-Christian, assuming there is enough overlap between biblical uprightness and the visible outworking of his character and convictions. Well, and, I would say based upon those uh, characteristics or those uh, stipulations, he would have not voted for David. He would have not voted for Solomon. He would have not voted for Jacob. He would have not voted for Moses. He would have... I mean, I can go down the line. I literally had, you know, the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul was holding the coat for as they stoned Stephen. 
I mean, based upon those character, those uh, stipulations, he would have not. None of those guys would have added up for him. Not a single one. Absolutely. And what I'm going to say is the visible outworking of his character and convictions at this point, since stepping into right. the presidency, much like maybe you could say uh, Paul when he stepped into his ministry from that point forward. Very good. Yeah. Say character and conviction and following through. And uh, this is the most pro-life president we've ever had. This is right. the only president that ever that's a good point. Marched for life is the only president that that after all the lip service actually moved the the embassy um, from yeah. Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Like, yeah. what, what do you want? Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point though on pro life. John Piper addresses that in his article, and he even says he goes arrogance is the root of abortion of the sin of abortion. Well, here, so basically, he's equating saying, well, all, that sin of abortion can can be rooted back to arrogance. Well, first of all, 862,000 children were aborted. 862,000 in 2017. 2018 and 2019, the statistics aren't clear yet. So in 2017, 862,000. And for those out there that are saying, well, what about you know the cases of rape, incest, and all that? There's less than 1%. And, and, USD, and I got this information off of USA Today. So it's not off of a conservative uh, newspaper or anything like that. Um, 78% of them said it was because it a child just did not fit into their life plan at the time. 78%. Okay? Yeah. So most here's pro-life. What he, here's, what he's, here's what he says, Justin. He says, I think it's baffling and presumptuous to assume that pro-abortion right. policies kill more people than a culture-saturating uh, pro-self pride. Bro, that's Dude, a pompous I have never right been there. more baffled in in my life than to to see a person of his stature say. And I appreciate him putting it out there, by the way. But yeah. I I got to I am totally baffled that he would say pro-abortion policies. He's baffled to assume that pro-abortion policies kill more people than a culture saturating. Pro self pride. Okay, so what if if we keep this to an hour? We got twenty four minutes left. We probably won't. But if we keep this to an hour, Justin, ninety eight abortions will occur in the hour that yeah. we talk tonight. Ninety eight. Find, find one disease. Find one. Uh, I I looked up the other day. Um, the uh, current uh, wartime conflicts or current conflicts in the world right now and looking up the numbers, you find one conflict, you find one disease, you find one crime that is that can uh, even come close to relating to that. 62 million abortions since Roe. Yeah. 62 million. 62 million. That's like 30 times the Holocaust. Or, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Is it? It's uh, 62. It, it'd be 10 times. Oh, 10 times. Oh, yeah. My yeah. math. The math is not strong with me tonight. Uh, you're, yeah, right. So six million. So 10 times the Holocaust. And he thinks that having a, a president, apparently, who is self-aggrandizing, is more dangerous than that. It, it kills more people. 
That's amazing to me. I don't. Okay. And so one of the things that that also would assume in my viewpoint is that the American people are so stupid and so ethically, morally uh, uh, malleable that we're willing to look at Donald Trump and say, and put him on some sort of pedestal to where we make him a deity to where we're all right. like Donald Trump. And that is going to lead to the death of, right. of 60. We cannot have self think, but, oh but sincerely, here's the problem. The, the culture and the climate that we're talking about, that is, that is uh, talking about that is also pushing the environment and creating the environment to create a culture that doesn't, that no longer has self-think. So the very thing that they're worried about is the very thing that they're creating. They're telling you what is appropriate. They're telling you what is defined as marriage. They're telling you what is defined as, uh, you know, X, Y, Z. This is all what you need to think. This is what you should accept. This is that that same culture that's saying that is literally creating a place of, of danger where there is no more self-think. There is no more free thought. Because wait a minute, you told us what to think. Now we look to you for our own conscience. Now we look to you for our own moral fortitude. And and all of these cats that 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 are doing this, all all of these cats that are that are pretty much uh, on the forefront of this, like you got Chelsea Handler and and uh, and all these people who are telling us how to be good moral people. Um, well. You open up their their listen. You open up everybody's closet and their skeletons. But I I'll tell you this: you open up my closet, there's skeletons, but there's not flesh on them. And in their closets, every one of their skeletons still have flesh. Mm -hmm. they, it, it, it's fresh, you know. They, they, so it's like, how are you going to be my compass? How are you going to tell me something like that? Well, they're not. I'm not looking to uh, it, listen. Something. It's hard for me to even look. It's hard for me to look at anyone, even pastors. Right. It's yeah. hard for me to. It's hard for me to even look at pastors in churches for to to be the moral authority because I'm here to right. tell. You. I'm here to tell. They'll you. fail you, bro. They will fail you, and when they do, uh, it's been my experience that they might be the first one to say. Yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't do everything right, but really, George, you're the one that's wrong in this scenario. Despite what I did, you're really the one that's wrong, and the reason yeah. why is because you put me on some sort of pedestal where I didn't belong. So it's like too many times, folk that are speaking from Sinai got you coming and going, and it's just yeah. a no-win situation. I think uh, Jesus addressed people like that in Matthew 23 when he told him, he says, on the outside, you look like, you know, you look beautiful and wonderful. And, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Yeah. Well, OK, so he goes on to talk about nations. All right. So uh, he says uh, flagrant boastfulness, vulgarity, immorality and factiousness. Right. Breaking people into factions. Right. Are self-incriminating, but also because they are nation-corrupting. They move out from centers of influence to infect whole cultures. The last five years bear vivid witness to this infection at almost every level of society. Meanwhile, the people that are at his rallies are screaming, we love you. It's unbelievable. And he is, he is, 
listen, Donald Trump loves people that love him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, and listen, that, that's not far removed from most of us. I mean, right. even doesn't the Bible even say we love him being God because what? He first loved us. He first loved us, right? Yeah. And so should we get worked up that Trump loves people that loves him? No, I don't think we we should. Should should we get worked up that he doesn't like people uh, that, that don't like him? Well, I can tell you there's a lot of people I don't like. Them. I'll tell you one characteristic of all of them. They don't like me. Okay? Yeah. That's the thing they all have in common yeah. is that they don't like yeah. me. They come in all shapes, colors, convictions, faiths, and everything else. All right? Uh, so... So yeah. let me tell you the pattern of this guy, though. Um, uh, John Piper, he uses a, a thing called recursive logic. And and it, it's a writing technique. And what he does, and, and so if you look through his history, now suddenly now he's this uh, um, widely espoused, wonderful, uh, evangelical theologian. Um, I challenge anyone out there to go back and look at a lot of his writings. Even Beth Moore came out and said, oh, John Piper's been 100% the same for the last 20 years and so on. She has been criticized for some of her, the stuff that she has said of, of late. Uh, it's theologically. I could care less what she says politically, theologically. And John Piper uses what's called recursive logic. So in other words, let's say you open up the first book of his, of his, uh, or first chapter of his book, he has presented an idea. The next chapter, he removes a seed of truth. The next chapter, he has removed two seeds of truth to the, by the time of the end of the, the book, he now has you believing in entirely different paradigm. And it, it's a, I'm sorry. That's gaslighting. Right. And, um, he, he does this in in an intelligent way. I mean, the guy is intelligent. There is no no doubt in that. I mean, um, but he uses this whole principle to bring you to this place of that he is some type of um, a person of supreme influence, supreme uh, intelligence. You know, he is he is smarter than you. He is holier than you. You know the very same things that he's criticizing the president over. Shocker. He, he goes on in this section to say, there's a character connection between rulers and subject. Uh, Mr. Piper, I'm not a subject. No joke. And Donald Trump is not a ruler. So let's go ahead and get that straight right from the get go. And that is, that is a substantive difference, by the way. Correct. That is a huge, huge difference. So he goes on in the next session. He talks about policies and, and persons. And so let me uh, just a couple of my highlights here. He says uh, Christians communicate a falsehood to unbelievers when we act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person. The church is paying dearly, and we will continue to pay for communicating this falsehood year after year. Uh, Justin, I, do, I don't personally know how the, the church is paying dearly for acting as if 
protecting life and freedom are more important or more. Yeah, I don't see how that could be a problem. Person, I think that given a person's values and their 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 beliefs, their strongly held convictions, that's either going to lead them to a place where they want to protect life, they want to protect uh, freedom, they value freedom. What what does that have to do with the church paying dearly? I have no idea. Yeah, I would say, um, again, he's creating a, um, so let's, let's use something that, um, is more in, in my familiar, uh, uh, denomination. So I, I am Pentecostal and we know of Pentecostals in times past. Obviously, I still believe in the power of healing, and, I, and I've seen healings and miracles, and I've seen all of those things. Um, however, we know of cases where, oh man, and the name just slipped my mind, um, where the gentleman was able, he actually exposed a, a particular charismatic preacher mm-hmm. who was actually setting up miracles. Yeah, it was on right? Netflix. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, total, you know, obviously that that's a terrible situation. And and I believe that the Bible says something about false prophets will have it worse in in the end. Um, So I I believe that there'll be a problem. But that's exactly what John Piper is doing. He's creating the problem. Then he's driving the solution. And the truth is, is the problem is probably not anywhere close to what he's saying. In other words, the church is suffering because of our our stand for uh, uh, life. Well, wait a minute. That's not there. And and he's not even, you know, he's using, of course, the Socratic method to get us there. Right. So he's providing it. But the problem is, is there's one thing missing. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Show me where the church is hurt when we stood for life. Or just tell him, just just tell me how we're paying. I don't know how yeah. we're paying. By the way, the church had plenty of problems before church, uh, Trump came along. Uh, no joke. Newsflash. I mean, what's the divorce rate in the church? It's the same as it is in the secular world. It's I mean, uh, 55%. Let me tell you something. You know, Rebecca and I have been married for 18 years. All right. We, we've, been, uh, we've been together for almost 22. Right. That's a long time. And uh, for her, <laughs> yeah, <let> me, <laughs> a really long time for her. You know, when I see my friends, I, I could name a couple. Of, I ain't gonna put them out there. I, I could name a couple friends who uh, dudes who uh, get really syrupy on Facebook. I, I actually, I, I think it's cool. But uh, they they they're expressing their deep love and admiration and affection for the wives and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, Rebecca and I kind of got that. Uh, nearly two decades of being married type love where right. we don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got, we got that kind of love of been through something. We've been through a few things. And, uh, and I will tell you, we've been through some significant things, man. Right. Significant. And we are still together, still love one another. We've got, a, we've got a, got a good home here for our children and all the rest of it. And, uh, do you know that uh, I would say I want to speak carefully here, but the last time we really went through something, a real deep, profound struggle, instead of having people, even in church, by the way, and I'm not talking about my church specifically, but just the church, mm-hmm. 
instead of having people really celebrate the fact that we make made it through, there's people just willing to condemn us for having problems to begin with. Yeah. You know, we we the church is loaded with Pharisees. Well, what did they do to loaded. Joe? The first thing they said. Older brothers. Older oh, yeah. Brothers, right in that uh, story of the of, of the prodigal. The church has got tons of issues. I, you know, so the church is a harlot. The, I mean, the, the I mean, all the descriptors for the church in the Bible. I mean, a lot of it is not aside from the bride of Christ. I mean, a lot of it is not uh, glowing terms. It's difficult. Right. It's difficult doing life in the church and with. And I would say that it's people in the church because I'm in the church. That's why it's difficult. Let's yeah. be honest, right. And so the Trump, the, listen, long way to go about say. The church had plenty of problems before Trump, and once Trump's gone, the church is going to continue to have plenty of problems because right. it's full Truth of is, like George Schmalstig. Uh, uh, you know, Judas was in the church, buddy. You yeah. know, he was right there with him the whole time. He was there when Jesus fed the five thousand. He was there. Matter of fact, he was their chief usher. He held the money bag. You know, I right. mean, so. You know, hey, look, the church has always had problems. And, you know, Trump didn't create the problems in the church. I can tell you that right now. Now, I will say this. It is unhealthy if you place him in the place of God. That's that's not right. You should not do that. You cannot place any man in the place that God is. He says, I am God alone. And he says, I will not share my glory with another. You know, Trump is not God. Do I believe that Trump is God ordained? Absolutely, because I believe God put him there. I believe God put Barack Obama where he was. I believe, you know, yes, we vote. Yes, we do all those things. But God does it. You know, he, he steers the, the rivers. He, he sets up kings and he tears down kings, kings, as the Bible says. And of course, when we say kings, those that are in charge. And so, you know, but if you put if you put him in that place, then yes, you are wrong. But you know there were plenty of people who put Barack Obama in that place. They even called him the Black Messiah, if you remember. I mean that was that was the Democrat Party was saying he was the Black Messiah, and and so yes, that's dangerous. It's dangerous for anybody to say that, and and um, we all need to check ourselves and make sure we're not placing a man in a place that only God can exist. But the other side of it is to say that Trump is single-handedly responsible for the demise of the church. First of all, the church is not in demise. That is false. The Trump, the, the church is growing. The church is powerful. I can tell you this, in just our church, since August the 31st, we've had over 40 salvations since August the 31st. The Trump or the, the church is is growing. It's 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 not in demise. And and anything negative in the church one man didn't do you know it's all of us if there's anything negative in the church yeah yeah trump doesn't have the power to do that that's the truth he, he does he doesn't have the power to and i you know as far as people calling obama the the messiah i don't know what he thought about that but i I'd, I'd like to think that he probably didn't like that because again right. that put him in a place where he absolutely he he couldn't deliver on that Piper says, I find it bewildering that Christians can be so sure that greater damage will be done by bad judges, bad laws, and bad policies than is being done by the culture-infecting spread of the gangrene of sinful self-exaltation and boasting 
and strife stirring. So, you know, it's just like, you know, it begs the question for me, is John Piper without sin? And, or, and, and are we too stupid to see this, the yeah. sins of the president for what they are and, and actually desire better for ourselves and out of our out of our culture? And by the way, a bad judge, a bad law, a bad policy could have immediate repercussions that, that we can do nothing about. Not uh, not to mention their lifetime appointments. Absolutely. For for decades and decades and decades. When, when we're talking about the major issues of our country. And he talks about strife stirring. And I just one of the things that frustrates me is I think, okay. I've been through a few things in life where I've been through some, some times where, you know, the audience won't believe this, right. But I've, I've got some people who don't much care for me. And uh, I mean, how is that even possible? I don't and, believe that. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've, uh, I, I, you know, I've endured people's comments and all They must be terrible people. As much, yes, hundred percent. As most people have, right. We've all been in those situations where people are strife stirring, right. As a, uh, Piper so eloquently puts it. If you what what responsibility do people on the other side of Donald Trump have for strife stirrings? This is the thing I never hear about. This guy for four years has daily been called a racist, mm -hmm. a bigot, a homophobe, a homophobe. Oh my God! This is the first president that entered the Oval Office day one in support. Of gay marriage. Well, he, he, you know, Richard Grinnell, I mean, come on, you know, that was his uh, ambassador to the UN for a, a, a for a short period, ambassador to Germany. I mean, so give me a break. He, you know, you, and then not to mention his history, you know, they, they all loved him before he tried to run as a Republican. Everybody that's criticizing him loved him. They all wanted his his money. They all wanted his affection. They all loved him. They were they were giving him medals and awards and and so on for his his achievements for the black community and his achievements for poverty. I mean, it, it's insane. But the, really the moment he called himself a Republican, that changed. I'm I'm glad to see some. Uh some people that are being upfront about wanting to vote their, their self-interest despite all of this. Like I love 50 cent came out last week. 50 cent said, I want to be 50 cent. I don't want to be 20 cent. Like I, I think that's actually so some courage on his part. And I, I think, I think yeah, that's he kind of backtracked on that though. Oh geez. Of course it did. I need yeah. Well, it, there's no telling. I think it was more publicity than anything, but it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I don't vote what a rapper says. I don't vote, you know, I don't care what they have to say, you know, yeah, I think the last election really proved that uh, we really don't care what actors and actresses, mm -hmm. entertainment industry has to say. But this guy gets called a he gets called Hitler, a mass murderer, a xenophobe, it, all these sorts of things. He's on the debate stage across from Biden. Biden calls him a racist, a xenophobe, a uh, liar, worst president ever, a liar, a clown. Um, a Andrew Cuomo, uh, Cuomo came out uh, today or yesterday, uh, very recent and said that all of the COVID deaths in the country are laid at uh, Donald Trump's feet. Every last one of them, right? Um, Not to mention what he did in the nursing homes. Right. 
So no matter what he says or what he does, this guy's going to be hated. He's going to be persecuted. That's all. And if he punches back at all, I mean, how many times a guy to got to say, I do not support white uh, supremacy. I stand against white uh, supremacy. I stand against 38 times. Hate number. In every form and fashion. I stand against it. I mean, listen, dude, you, you asked me the same question. 30, how many, 30, what? 38. So you asked me the same question 38 times. And meanwhile, in between the 38, you're calling me every name in the book. Mm -hmm. What type of response do you expect to get out of me? I'm, dude, I, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Like you, I, this is not going to be pretty. I'm here to tell you, right? So, uh, <laughs> and, and, but, but, but the, those folks, those folks, no, never held to account for their divisiveness. Only Trump. That's it. You Only know, well, that's that's my problem with the cancel culture issue right now. Is man, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that 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 I support everything that has been canceled. I I can tell you, there's so there are several things in in that has you know been taken down and stuff that I, I believe belong in a museum, not on, on, you know, government property, but, but that's my personal opinion. But the, the point is, is this idea of canceling everything based upon past sins and so on. For instance, like Thomas Jefferson, for instance, I mean, you know, this guy wrote the religious freedom act. He also was credit. This guy freed. Yes. He owned slaves. Terrible, horrible. However, he freed He's one of the only ones known for freeing every one of them in his will. You know, so, I mean, these other things, if you or I are going to be judged over the sins of our past every moment, every day, we're all in a lot of trouble. Every one of us, or and if we were not, then you just need to scrap the whole Christian faith. Yeah, period. Because, I mean... Last I checked, the whole idea behind the thing, uh, basically and fundamentally, is the world's broken. You're in it. You're a disaster. Um, yeah, there's a particular way to live. You're not going to do it. And yeah. I know you're not going to do it. Well, I think but that's I what Jesus said. There's a price to be paid for that, right. for you acting up. And so since I know you're not going to do it yourself, uh, I'll go ahead and take care of that for you. Right. And as a result, maybe you'll recognize how much I love you right. and, uh, and you'll love me in return. And, uh, you know, you, you might, I don't know, maybe you'll live accordingly or, or whatever the case may be. But even if you don't, like, I've, I've still got it covered. You're, you're my child. Right. You're my child. Like, I, I don't know. I like to boil things down to the simplest terms. That, that kind of works for me, right, as, as the nuts and bolts of it. Mm -hmm. And if I could be this perfect human being, then I really thought I could do it myself. And I've cheapened the whole thing, that, that whole story that's in between those uh, two pieces of leather out there on my bookshelf, right? So, uh, And there's another thing John Piper has neglected. Now, some of this is 
possibly because of his the, theological preferences, but he has neglected the term sanctification. And so, you know, I, I love what uh, Pastor Ronnie says all the time. Ronnie Reed, he says, you know, if you're a jerk and you're saved, you're still just a saved jerk. It takes time for that to happen. You know, it's called sanctification. God has to wash those things out of your, out of your life, you know? And, and so look, I don't know if the, if the president is saved, I can't tell you if he's saved, if he's, if he's a born again, I can't tell you that, you know, I, that that's between him and God. Maybe those who have been around him closest to him. I know that's what has been said and what he has said, I will say this, like you said, before um, uh, before he was uh, a um, the president, before he entered in, all, he, he certainly had a life that was much more um, promiscuous than the one he's in now. That's for sure. The way he lives now. So so there's changes, but I but I, I can't tell you what those changes come come uh, come to. You know, it's a great point, Justin, and uh, great minds think alike. I, I, I wrote down today uh, in just one of my thoughts was, how do we know that Trump is an unrepentant sinner? Like, how do we really know that? Um, you might have an answer for that. I don't. Right. So I, I personally, I don't want to assume that I know where God has Trump in the process of redemption and salvation and sanctification. I don't know if Trump is among the elect of God. I have no idea. Okay. I don't yeah. know that. And so I, I, I like the way Jordan Peterson says, he says, uh, what separates us from the eternal is death and ignorance. Okay. And so there's limitations on that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like uh, I am a Christian. I do have a Bible. I'm not completely ignorant. Um, but there's a lot of things I don't understand. Okay. I don't understand. And there's probably a lot of things that are not for me to understand. And if I try to spend all my try time trying to understand those things, like exactly where does God have Trump in the process of, I'm not Trump's pastor. Right. I'm, I'm a dude trying to make a living, trying to get by every day and, and, and bear my responsibilities in life as best as I possibly can. Well, I can make also tell you, and as a pastor, to be better at the end of the day as a result of making them and my own repentance and all the rest of it. I can also tell you, as a pastor, um, there are many people that that I have, you know, that we shepherd who, um, by all accounts and by the the textbook idea of saved, they're saved, and then they disappoint us. You know, so even at knowing them and, and so on, there are things that, you know, that's that's humanity. So John Piper did this more. In my opinion, he did this uh, for relevance. It, clearly, I think I think he did this because he was fading from the evangelical spectrum and he needed some sort of relevance. And here it is. Now he's relevant again. Well, listen, if I'm disappointed in, in Justin Strickland, I believe that's a two-way street. Right. There is, okay, so this is, a, this is the convergence of what Justin Strickland did and the attitudes and beliefs that I hold that I push your behavior through. 
And sometimes my attitudes and beliefs about something might actually be irrational, irrelevant, uh, full of ignorance and arrogance and all the rest of it. I mean, that's why sometimes people come back and like, yeah, man, I really feel so upset about that. Like that, that was kind of ridiculous. I overreacted or whatever the, whatever the case may be. So I just, I don't know, man, I just think there's a two way street on, on a lot of this stuff. And, uh, I don't know. I guess maybe when you get to the president presidency, you're the POTUS. The uh, two-way street seems to end. It turns into a one-way street. Everything's coming your direction. Everybody's trying to figure out where you're at with uh, God and everything else, and everyone's hurling every insult at you, and you're supposed to just sit, stand there and smile and and uh, say, bless your heart. Uh, well, we didn't, yeah. we didn't elect a dude that's going to uh, do that. Now, I want to wrap it up, but uh, two final things. Uh, he does have a word to pastors in this, uh, Justin, which I thought was pretty um, interesting. And in this section, Piper, he sort of romanticizes, in my viewpoint, a, um, a, a, a almost like a country that persecutes Christians, uh, one where you know Christians are forced to choose between Christ or death or exile, and we're going to figure out who like the real Christians are to choose Christ. And I'm here, I'm here to say for me, I don't want that. You know what? And if I can head that off at the pass by uh, electing people that are going to hold to the constitution that uh, I won't have to make some of those decisions, then uh, I'll say for me, that's what I'm going to do. And if those days come, then they come. And I hope that I can bear that responsibility as good as possible, but I'm not going to invite it on like, you know, into my world, into my country. I'm definitely not going to do that. And uh, he says, uh, he says here at the end, he said, uh, I will invite him. He's talking about his neighbor. He said, I will invite him to become an exile, to have a kingdom that will never be shaken. Not even when America is a footnote in the archives of the new creation. And, and I just want to say, uh, Mr. Piper, what if America is a footnote in the archives of the present world? What then? What? Yeah. What then? Reagan used to say this. This basically, to paraphrase him, this is freedom's last stand. And if we don't stand and protect it here, there's nowhere to run. There's I think he's referring to you know the coming New Jerusalem millennial reign. You know. But yes, and I'm, you know, thinking, I'm thinking a little sooner than that. Yeah. I, well, here's the deal. It, you know, if you can't enjoy life here, you're not going to enjoy it in heaven. Let's just be real. And and un, here's the th the funny thing is this. This is the guy who created Christian hedonism. Did I already say that once or twice? Anyways, yeah. we, you know, we're talking about the guy that believes pleasure is the way to desiring God. You know, and so now he's telling everybody, wait a minute, you need to separate yourself from the anyways, I can go on. I don't know, man. I, Justin, I'm just glad you brought up this Christian hedonism thing tonight. This might be something I can I can get behind. I don't know. We'll see. You yeah. <laughs> did say it was reformed, so it is. <laughs> you're like you're right up my alley right there. Yeah, I resisted throughout yeah. this whole entire thing to bring that part up, but yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I did read one article of rebuttal by a guy named Michael Brown, and um, uh, I'll, I'll have to link to it. Um, I think I read that same one. I 
thought he was really good, though. He said, um, like his final analysis, I would say, was uh, he said, Jesus is our savior and Trump is just our president. Yeah, that's good. Like, folk, you need, we, we need people to chill out. We need people. Yeah. I should also link to a, uh, a sermon, which I thought was fantastic. At um, it, was, it was on YouTube. Teresa sent it to me today's video. It was called Church in America, Wake Up by a pastor. I don't even know his name at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. And he talked about party platforms. And this guy was 100% for Trump. So, like, if you're not, then you're not going to want to watch this. Unless you just like to hear the opposing viewpoints like I do. But uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really, really good, too, for him to look at the platforms. You, we can be really, really cynical and say ah, both parties are they're just all the same. Um, and, and I'm going to say nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. I told yeah. a good one recently. Go read the platforms. They're right there on the Internet. You can read yeah. them. And uh, and then after you read them, really read them with understanding. Come back and tell me where, whether both of these parties are the same or not. All right. So, hey, listen, whatever you do, uh, I would say next Tuesday, of course, vote. I mean, I think you should vote for president one way or the other. Right. Piper says he's not going to. He said he's going to write in. Yeah. The last I saw, 79% of Republicans uh, claim to be Christians or evangelical. I don't know if it was Christians or evangelicals. At any rate, my point will remain the same. What if uh, what if all the, that 79% took John Piper's advice and did a write-in? What then? What would be the consequence then? Because any way you look at it, there will be an outcome. Right. It's going to take a while maybe to figure it out. What's the day, Justin? November what? 12th? 3rd. Oh, the date, yeah. I'm, in my opinion, November 12th. I think uh, the, they have to be sealed on the 11th, so the 12th. We'll know by the 12th. So we'll know by the 12th, hopefully uh, earlier than that. But uh, but one way or the other, one or two people is going to be president of the United States. That's going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I can tell you, it's not going to be Joe Jorgensen. I can tell yeah. you that. We know that. And um, I don't know. Maybe the last thing. And I, I'll and, say- and I hope, and, and, and I'll just say this. I hope that the Libertarian Party gets some attraction out there and so maybe it'll make it more competitive i don't i don't know i'm not i'm not against that but i'm just saying it's not going to be her anybody that thinks it's going to be her is in a in a box you know they're they're living under under a uh under a a, in a tent somewhere in the woods i'll say this about that libertarian party one time i was at a gas station i had a gadsden flag t-shirt on and a guy that was uh, pumping gas next to me said, hey, man, I really like your shirt. He said, I'm with a Libertarian Party here in, in Citrus County. You know, Maybe you should come to a meeting sometimes. Yeah, I might be up for that. He said, man, it's really, really difficult to organize Libertarians. <laughs> That's a really good point. Said, man, just organizing people who want to be left the heck alone. He said, that is, he said, that is quite the political challenge. And that, my friend, is probably why the Libertarian Party yeah. is not going. Yeah, <laughs> will that's not, funny. It will not prevail, and uh, it was just—it was so intuitive, right? But I, I just—I didn't think of that. Yeah. All right, so uh, Justin, thank you for uh, being with us tonight. 
Hey, you can always go to Apple, Google, Spotify, download the podcast, give us a five-star rating, uh, make comments. We appreciate that. So appreciate you all listening tonight, paying attention, uh, you know, tuning in rather on, on a night that is uh, different, right? Thursday night as opposed to Tuesday night. So thanks for being here and uh, and your your comments. Uh, always, we always appreciate that. So uh, next Tuesday night, uh, of course, the big night is the election. I'll be with uh, with friends that are running for office here locally. So we do not intend to to do small talk next Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I feel compelled or if I can uh, wrangle some friends into it, maybe a couple of days later, uh, maybe we can we can do it uh, sometime shortly after the election. We'll we'll see. Go but, west. What was that? Go west. Yeah, go west for sure. Yeah, if you're uh, here locally in Citrus County, make sure you continue to go down that ballot after you vote for president and uh, vote for Teresa for Mosquito Control Board and Craig, uh, Dalton. Vote for Craig Dalton for property appraiser. Uh, great friends of ours. So, again, thanks for watching, and we will see you back uh, at least Tuesday after the election, if not sooner. All right, everyone. Be good. All right.